listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Welcome back to the Full Circle Music Show. This is Chris Murphy sitting with Mr. Seth Mosley. How you doing, buddy? I am here, and I am happy to be here. Me too, man. I, You know what? I can't really believe that we are sitting down with luminaries of the music industry. Today, we've got Tom Douglas on the show. It's incredible. Tom is a hero to many of our listeners out there, including me. And me as well. If you don't know who Tom Douglas is, he's written hit songs for Lady Antebellum, Miranda Lambert, Tim McGraw, and the list goes on and on. And I think he's in the Songwriter Hall of Fame as well, if I'm not mistaken. You are not mistaken. He is in the Songwriter Hall of Fame. I can't wait for you guys to dive in and hear this interview, so we're going to get to it as soon as possible. But he gave some great takeaways. Yeah, we're titling our episode today, Vulnerability. And what I got from this conversation was the power and really the necessity of vulnerability in great songwriting. I think it's key. And instead of giving away too much here, I want you to hear exactly from the horse's mouth. Not calling Tom a horse or anything, but... He's powerful as a thousand horses. Probably a 10,000 horsepower songwriter. <laughs> I like, ooh, there, there's a uh, key there for him. There you go. Well, welcome back to the Full Circle Music Show with the host, Mr. Seth Mosley, here as always, and the amazing Tom Douglas sitting across from us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Very glad to be here. We are uh, we just honored to have you. And one of the things that we want to do with the Full Circle Music Show is to kind of shed a light onto the processes and the mindset from uh, those that have had success in the music business, and uh, but just really learn from the experience as well. But I'd love just to hear maybe what was that one thing that sparked your interest uh, as a as a young guy or uh, when it comes to songwriting? What is that one thing? Can you picture uh, back then of what it was that really uh, sparked your interest Let's in music? See. You know, it's that's a very good question. I, I don't know if I can pinpoint one thing. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, in a household where uh, uh, you know songs were really talked about more than. Artist more than musicians. My father was, uh, uh, he, he sold steel for a living, but uh, he was really very artistic. But I just remember, you know, he talked a lot about the songs and, you know, and who wrote the songs. And uh, I, I think, you know, somewhere along the line, just that emphasis, uh, uh, you know, became more interesting to me than, you know, than than the singer, or even you know, than the than the record, but just the song itself, just the the creation of that, uh, I you know somehow became, I think, imprinted on me at a young age. Do you feel like from that young age that songs spoke to you in a way that maybe they didn't to your friends or your peers? Yes, I do. I mean, I think you know, as you're growing up, you think that your experience, the way that you look at life, is the way that everybody else looks at life, only to you know to find later that you know your viewpoint the way you look at life is completely different hmm. um and you know I, I think i've always seen life in terms of stories and words and you know uh you know kind of the 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 senses you know the sights and the colors and the smells and the tastes and the touches those things i think you know they just that's just you know the the sensory perception maybe maybe heightened in writers more than other people. Sure. Do you think you could be a successful songwriter and not have that kind of sensory 
perspective on life? Well, I mean, you know, I, today songwriting has evolved into such a multifaceted, uh, you know, uh, endeavor that, I mean, there are some guys that are great songwriters that, um, you know, I mean, they, they really, they create the music, um, you know, or they, they have a particular thing that they do well with, you know, with electronics. You know, the track has become so preeminent in songs uh, that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess, but, you know, in terms of the pure songwriter that I think historically that, that we think, you know, the singer-songwriter from everybody from Jimmy Rogers to... Mm. You know, to Bono, to Chris Martin, to you know, to the weekend. I mean, I think probably there is a commonality between all those guys, and I bet all those guys could literally sit down with a guitar or a piano and you know, kind of break your heart in the room. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, I, I had the chance to write with with you, Tom, a few weeks ago, which was honestly a bit of a, you know, I. I'm coming from a super fan perspective of a lot of your songs and was honestly a dream come true for me. And there's a lot of hype around your name and you get a guy in a room and, and as he's just uncomfortably in a seat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. And, and so you kind of never know what to expect, but I, I told Chris before we were, we were doing this interview this morning that when you're in a room with Tom, you genuinely feel like you are in a room with a genius. <laughs> And there's maybe two or three people. In slap the- me now, Chris. Just reach over here and slap me as hard as you can. Well, I've never slapped a genius before. Me and me and the artist were kind of vibing on something before he got here, and he 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 shows up with his with his uh, with his computer, and uh, it's like, oh, just give me five minutes, and then he he turns around and spits out the most fantastic song I've ever heard, <laughs> and it's just it really is true. I mean, you've got. You've got a gift for it, but what is more amazing to me is your story of how you kind of <clears> got there and maybe the fact of how long it even took for yeah. for, for somebody to and, 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 and your perseverance. That's right. that's what really struck me. Do you care to elaborate on your story a little bit? Well, uh, yeah, I will. I mean, I, I I mean, I'm honored that you would say that. Uh, you know, those are very nice words. I think honestly, the the truth of the matter is. I've thought about this a lot, the, you know, kind of the uh, the clinical aspect of songs uh, and, the, and the study of songs, because I, I taught lyric writing at Belmont University for five years. So I had to really kind of think about the, you know, the, you know, the, the more, uh, you know, the black and white aspect of, of what we do. And, and honestly, I, I think the what separates successful songwriters from unsuccessful songwriters is i mean there is obviously you have to have a modicum of talent but i think we all have a modicum of talent i don't know that anybody has that much more talent than somebody else i mean that, that that's hard to measure but what i do know and i think this gives should give hope to everybody is successful songwriters are willing to write hundreds and hundreds of bad songs <laughs> and uh, just fail miserably over and over again and i think if you're willing to do that i'm sure that's the case with golf or tennis or with uh you know songwriting or with uh you know fly fishing i mean i just i think i think that really is the 
I think I think that that is the one thing that separates success from failure is just your your willingness uh, to do it. And and the only way that you can continue to do that, I think, is to focus on the process and not the end result of the song. The song, I think you and I talked about this before, it's kind of a radical concept, but the song in and of itself to the songwriter can become the enemy. It becomes mm. the trap. Mm. And uh, the song is clearly important but you as soon as the song is created you really have to jettison the song mm. and you have to you have to cast it far away or you will become a prisoner of it mm. and uh, I know that that sounds odd and I mean I love the songs I've written but I have to love them from a sense of detachment and afar or they will they will corrupt you and uh, you know the the successful ones, as well as the ones that never see the light of day. There's just something about it that, uh, you know, the songs are important to the artist and to the publisher and to your livelihood. But, uh, you know, songwriters, I mean, by, by definition, you know, we write. We have to be really purist in the sense that we're, we have to be process-driven. Yeah. Uh, I've, 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 yeah. I've discovered that later. I'm not saying that's... Absolute. Somebody smarter could probably disagree, but for me, I guess I should have, you know, preempted all that with "for me." I've come to sure. really believe that. Sure. And you say the song can become the enemy. Is that just the fact that hey, I look back and say, "Man, I wish I would have done this," or "Wish I would have done that." Is that kind of what you're speaking to, or how do you how do you? Well, I mean, like so that? you know, I speak in gross generalizations but most songs once a song is written honestly most songs for me are surrounded by disappointment mm. in the sense that uh, people are not going to respond to this song the way that I want them to respond they're just not it's impossible they're they're far too important to me and uh, so uh, I, I guess you know, to focus on something that I know is going to be anticlimactic and going to be a letdown is, you know, kind of a foolish endeavor. The thing I love, I love writing songs. And once that song is written, it is, it's going to be somehow or another, it's going to be kind of a heartbreak. Mm. The process is pure. Everything beyond that for me is impure and somewhat corrupt. Uh, hmm. And, you know, it's going to be disappointing. Even the, the song that, that we wrote, which truly is, I mean, it is fantastic. Sure. But nobody, no matter what anybody says, it's surrounded by indecision. You've got so many people and their opinions, and you've got the gatekeepers, and you've got all these things that really can can ruin the song. You know, it's you can lose these songs every step of the way. Wow, sure. And so you're just almost waiting for that to happen. So to even go down that. So I have to listen to it a few times and then, you know, I may never listen to it again because it's nothing's going to be as magical to me as the moment in which it was created. Wow. Well, you said that that's kind of been a recent revelation uh, yeah. for you. Uh, what would you have told yourself at, Knowing this now, when you were first starting off as a songwriter, um, what advice would you have given to your younger self when maybe you did hold on to those songs as these precious children or these these things that uh, were lightning in a bottle and it was yeah too important to give away? Well, I mean, I, I would have. I wish I 
could have told myself that, you know, that, that, you know, don't worry about the song. It's all about the next song. You know, the cliche is what's your favorite song that you've written. And I think the songwriter has to answer, you know, it's the next song. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, I've cared, you know, too much for, you know, for literally years, uh, you know, and, and I think caring too much about the song and people's reaction to the song, it quenches the creative spirit and it just stops you from doing what it is that you're supposed to do. You, you know, songwriters are really, I mean, they're, they're like guys on an assembly line where we do, you know, we we kind of do one thing I and mean, you, you try to do that well. It's like you put on a... You put on a bolt on a widget on an assembly line, and you do it year after year after year, and you hopefully get better and quicker, and uh, you you know that that's refined. Uh, you know, for us, you know, to t- make that analogy, you know, for that guy on the assembly line to all of a sudden worry about, you know, is the car going to finally get to its destination and you know, Biloxi, Mississippi, you know, and who's going to buy the car? It would be like, it would almost be that crazy. So it it just takes you out of the moment and, uh, you know, it, you know, you, you focus too far down the road and you, you lessen the, you're, you're not going to be as engaged in what you're doing now. I mean, we, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but, uh, I mean, years, you know, you, you can, uh, you can just chase projects. You can chase, you know, an artist is going to record a song and, you know, you can write 25 songs for that artist. And, you know, somehow it'd be, I just think it'd been much better if you'd been like, forget the artist, forget the, you know, you almost have to forget the business and just uh, constantly be refining your voice and what it is that you do well. Mm, that's good, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's for for any young songwriter out there. That is amazing words of wisdom, and a question that kind of would go along with that to me. I mean, could you even say um, before you got your your first was your first cut? Was it Little Rock? Was that the first cut, or was that the first single that kind of put you? Well, on that the was map? the first country song. I mean, I had written uh, in my time in Nashville before I had. Uh, almost done work for hire in Christian song writing. Uh, How do you mean by that? Well, I mean, literally, um, I was, uh, uh, I did it strictly to make a living. I I knew a guy that had a record company and he had, you know, just dozens of projects a year. And literally, it would be like, this project is coming up with this artist and we would write, you know, sometimes we'd write three songs a day with this particular artist, but they were, which which was really very good practice. But uh, man, I don't know the songs were particularly great. Sure. And I mean, we were, you know, our intent was, uh, you know, we we're really just kind of churning out a commodity. Sure. So I mean, it wasn't a pure relationship. Uh, I mean, I don't think I ever got. There were no royalties. It was just literally a sure. guy was paying me a thousand dollars a month to write as many songs as I possibly could. Wow, what a way into it! So I mean, that yeah. was that was early on. My first country song that I got recorded was uh, uh, I was forty-one years old, and I got Little Rock recorded. Hold on a second, forty-one years old, first 
big song recorded. That's that's how many songs did, had you written in your career until that one happened? You well, think? you know, I you know hundreds, hundreds. You know, since then I've written. I counted up the other day. I've written you know over fourteen hundred songs in twenty two years. So wow. I still write about 150 songs a year. I can't can't stop myself. <laughs> yeah, and that's not to to take away because man, I, I look back and what I'm thinking is okay, what what are what is in the? I think of it like BC and AD almost. Mm-hmm. Like what's in the BC f- f- files? There's probably some gold there that you know <laughs> that that has never come out. But what I what inspires me is okay. You had the drive and tenacity to keep going regardless of what commercial success said it was just that you were going to do it anyway well i i mean i i ultimately you know my breakthrough was now at age 40 when you know i tried everything else i had really i tried to quit songwriting i had tried to embrace songwriting i had you know i had and it, it literally, it just, it haunted me and finally mm. hunted me down. Um, you know, I told you I had this spiritual epiphany one day. I was about 40 and I was working in real estate. And I was, uh, at the time, I was engaged in kind of a real estate conversation with a pers- prospective tenant. And uh, at the time I was having this conversation with this tenant about moving to a shopping center that I leased. I was having the same conversation with God, which was, it just seems odd that at age 40, I would have this desire and interest and, you know, passion for songwriting only to become jaded, cynical, and, you know, perverse at age 40. That just seems like an (laughs) odd plan for God, which you think, uh, which, which we know we know as uh, you know means well for us you know and loves us it, it just seemed odd and it, at that moment god answered with well you've chosen to create to, to worship the creation which is the song versus worshiping me the creator mm. so look at where you've become you've mm. become jaded cynical and you know uh, a cynic at age 40 because you know you're worshiping this an- inanimate object so i'm sure a psychologist uh, would tie my, you know, my distrust of the song kind of back to that moment because I see where that got me. So I, hmm. I have, you know, you you the songs can become idols, and you you know you do you just you you worship them. Hmm. So anyway, uh, I think at that moment I tried to forsake the idol and the song and refocus my attention on God, the Creator. And when I did that, you know, I kind of regained my love and the gift of songwriting. And at that point, you know, a few months went by and I said, well, why don't I try just sitting down and telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth for once. And, uh, you know, over a period of a couple of weeks, I, I I started working on a song called Little Rock, which is about, it was about a recovering alcoholic who was starting over again. Although I wasn't uh, uh, in Little Rock, and I'm not a recovering alcoholic, I'm certainly recovering from many other, you know, addictions. So I get it, and I constantly have felt like I'm starting over. So, mm-hmm. at age 40, it was like that was just a metaphor, an autobiographical metaphor for my life. You know, I, I think I'm on a roll here in Little Rock. I'm, you know, the guy's trying to convince himself and this woman that he's left. I'm solid as a stone. Wait and see. I got just one small problem here in Little Rock. Without you, baby, I'm not me. me. Yeah. So I was like, okay, 
That is true. Now let's start from there. So, yeah. Was it difficult when you did have that epiphany and starting to walk down that line of, um, and not that you didn't write from experience before, but right. that kind of raw writing experience that then turned into a successful uh, piece of songwriting for you. Was that hard to do in the beginning to be that raw? Well, it was. It was, yes, it is. It was hard. I mean, I think, you know, by virtue of the fact that I was 40, that I was finally able to do it. Um, but honestly, it was such a relief. Mm. It was a great relief. You know, I mean, I'm constantly asking myself, why can't I get back to that place of vulnerability and rawness and honesty that I did at that moment? That, you know, those moments are high water marks, but they're, you know they're fleeting. It's uh, it's 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 just hard to keep your arms around it. Uh, you know to, to to grasp it. You know that's why I'm, you know, 22 years later, still, I'm still, kind of seeking that mm. that feeling that 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 uh, uh, you know that sense of vulnerability. You know I don't I don't I you know if if I knew how to do it I would absolutely tell you and I would do it again. I don't. It's a constant journey. But it seems like it would be pretty exhausting if you were in that place all the time. Well, yes. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's almost like an actor, I guess, kind of getting in a role. It's, you can't stay there. I, I think that's, that's a good point, which makes, you know, makes me feel better why I haven't been able to you know, reach that, that, that moment again. <laughs> where do you go in those moments where uh, maybe those emotions aren't as easy to tap into, but you still have to put a... Put pen to paper and and write a song today. Well, um, you know, I mean, I'm I'm I almost always start lyrically, uh, and you know, I think it's I really don't know how to answer that, and I think the only thing that I know to do is just keep doing it. You know, it's just I am consistent. Uh, I write every day, just not really because I, you know, because I want to it's just i literally have to so you know my process i I, you know is has nothing to do with songwriting but i have to get up at the certain time i have to exercise i have to read the bible i have to read two to three newspapers i like to have a book of fiction constantly going and if i do that somehow or another i have a number of things always to write about Hmm. so i've I don't. I've never had writer's block. I think that's a misnomer. I don't even believe in that. I believe mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if you just stay vigilant in your process, the, the, the ideas will be there. Yeah. So how do you pound through writer's block? You just write. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just. I just. That's almost like somebody saying the terrible twos with children. You know, right. It's like those are. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I just. I don't like putting that on us on yeah. on anybody. It's those. Yeah. Those things, it's hard enough to do without, you know, it's, I just don't believe in that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. If, you st- if you write, you can't have writer's block. So it's not always yeah. going to be great. But, again, that gets back to the – it takes such courage to be able to write something that's terrible. It really does. Mm-hmm. That's why most people can't do this. Uh, the mindset of a writer is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fragile thing. You have to be amazingly vulnerable – and in raw, but you also have to have incredible courage. Hmm. Uh, so it's a, it's a it's a it's a rare combination. Uh, it's and people really that don't do it or no writers they really underestimate you know the the skill set that it takes to do this 
uh, you know, particularly for long periods of time. It's, uh, it yeah. is certainly not for the faint of heart. We have a sign in our studio that says, Dare to Suck. Yes, right, yeah. <laughs> and that is something that we live by. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, it never gets easier. It's, I mean, I get nervous every time I, um, you know, I sit down with somebody that I don't know particularly well, which is, it's just, you know, mm-hmm. I think this is great, but, you know, just uh, the, no, nobody, you know, nobody naturally likes rejection. Right. And, uh, you know, writers by nature are very insecure and, uh, you know, just unsure of ourselves. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're, confident enough to you know keep putting ourselves out so it it it, it is it's a it's an odd tension that you have to that that's an unresolvable tension in which we have to live mm-hmm. for those that are listening now um or the your students at belmont what advice would you give to them to to cultivate that because again you are as art, artistic people it is a very vulnerable place to go yeah. and if you know i myself have that issue of um not wanting to put myself out there because I don't want to be judged. Right. But yet that's where the goodness comes from a lot of times. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just think it takes uh, it it takes practice. And I think, you know, acknowledging that as a weakness or as a desire is the first step. Um, and then, you know, just really, you know, again, uh, you know, it. I think it. It's discipline. You know, the discipline of doing this consistently. The, the only thing that I, I will I'll never understand is uh, you take some of the greatest music. You know, certainly of my era, which, you know, I mean, I grew up really listening to music in the you know in the '60s. You know, in the you know until now, some of the music that truly I love the most, allegedly, you know, people wrote on heroin you know and you know and drug-induced stupors and you know uh you know jack daniels rum sake binges i i don't know that i do not understand Uh, and because to me it takes such discipline and vigilance to do this on a daily basis that i can't uh I, i really i don't know that i can really reconcile that unless and i'm and now I'm, I'm talking almost to myself. I'm answering my own question, but I guess you know it's 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 discipline and vigilance to me that leads to that kind of austere place of vulnerability. Hmm. And I guess obviously for other people, you know, it's alcohol and drugs that lead to that. We all really are, are attempting to get to the same place of kind of self-revelation where you get yourself out of the way. I do it through discipline and process. You know, they do it through, you know, kind of, you know, unmasking their insecurities. Somehow they think, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol open themselves up. So I guess we're ultimately trying to get to the same place. But it's odd that, that you know, that the endeavor to do that would be so, you know, diametrically opposed. Yeah, I guess, and this is in no, um, in no way an endorsement of that lifestyle or getting to that place. But I guess some, for some people, it takes that much to break the the wall down. Yes, yes. So yeah, ultimately, that's um, um, yeah. So yeah, we're trying to break that wall down the the wall of resistance. The resistance is constantly everywhere around us. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a great book called the uh, uh, the War of Art. 
and uh, he talk. He just names it. He says, you know, screenwriters, playwriters, actors, songwriters. Doesn't matter. It is the resistance. That is the enemy. Mm. And uh, I think it almost helps sometimes just naming it. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's interesting. I was going to ask because you you said you're you're constantly reading, and I'm at this point in my life become a bit of a book nerd, mm. and uh, I, I always like to know. Okay, well, what? Uh, you know who who do I know in my life that's a genius? Okay, Tom Douglas is a genius. What does he read? Do not say that again. I'm, I'm, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to delete that. <laughs> what? So what is Tom Douglas reading nowadays? Well, uh, let's see. Great books this year I've read. I read The Goldfinch, which won the Pulitzer Prize in 2014. I wrote. I read the uh, All the Light We Cannot See, which won the Pulitzer Prize in 2015. You know, I've read recently, uh, you know, Unbroken. Uh, I've read, uh, I'm, uh, I'm reading a book now called Moonwalking with Einstein that's about memory. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I'm getting ready to start. Uh, oh, let's see. Well, you know, I've got so many books going that now I, I was, I really can't remember exactly uh you know, the books, but, you know, I mean, through the years, uh, you know, I mean, I love, I love the classics. I love John Steinbeck. You know, I, I really, I probably read The Grapes of Wrath every year. Wow. Uh, I love The Great Gatsby. Uh, you know, the the Faulkner and the Steinbecks and the Hemingways and the Fitzgeralds. I, I just, you know, Flannery O'Connor. I love, I just, I love those works. Uh, and then, Anything that's you know been notable that you know that's won a, a prize, uh, something like a Pulitzer is usually uh, you can't go wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to me, what I what I hear, I mean, at this point, you know, you've you've had some pretty significant songs in your resume from Lady Antebellum, Run to You, obviously Little Rock, The House That Built Me, which is probably you know my favorite one in your in your uh, impressive resume. Um, you never stop learning. You're still reading. You're always constantly, you know, how, what what else can I take in? And, and yeah. that's inspiring. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just we've, you know, constantly have to fill the, you know, fill the tank uh, with hopefully great stuff. Uh, we want to be as, you know, in tune to what, what's happening in the culture as possible. Yeah. And it seems like that that's something that, from what I hear you saying, that if you're going to put yourself out there and empty the tank, you've yeah. got to fill it back up yes. with some quality stuff. Yeah, that's great, Chris. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's that that's why we do it, you know. And I think just you know, you know, reading. There's just no substitute. You know the, you know mm-hmm. what people through the years will say. What's the what what? Give me one book on songwriting, and I would say virtually everybody that's listening to this or. You know, wherever you go, you almost you already know everything there is to know about songwriting. Songwriting is, I mean the, you know the the premise of it is really pretty simple. I mean it's it's words and it's music, mm-hmm. and uh, people know how to write songs. But uh, you know when you read, you know if you get to the end of the Grapes of Wrath, uh, you know in the in the in the scene with you know. Rose of Sharon, you know, is, you know, is she's lost a child and she's nursing, you know, a man that's about to die. You know, uh, I mean, just that scene right there is, 
I don't know. You know, there's so many moments or, you know, the very end of The Great Gatsby, you know, where the green light is, you know, beating against the waves. I mean, you know, th those things, they just inspire so much, you know, I mean, they're, they're many movies. And uh, so, yeah, I just think reading, reading really is the, is the key. Yeah. No, that's good, man. That's incredible. I mean, for, for me, when I first started looking at the music industry or being in a band or something like that, I was like, well, okay, if we want to do this thing, we need to write 10 songs. Right. And then we'll get them recorded and then we'll go out on the road. And, yeah. uh, and so to hear the process and the discipline, mm -hmm. as you say, uh, is, is way more involved and a life pursuit. Yes. Other than just a, uh, let, let's put a, together a couple of ditties and, uh, and then strike it rich. Well, I mean, I guess, but honestly, if you talk to, I could bring in a slew of guys that are really far more successful than I am. And I, I would dare say if whatever, whatever I've just espoused, they would probably think it's laughable. <laughs> I mean, cause I think my process is, you know, it's, I, you know, there's a point in part of me, the large part, I really, I try not to care too much if somebody else is going to like this. The thing that's important to me is that my collaborators like it. I'm always trying to impress the guys in the room. I really want them to love what we do. And if, if they love it, you know, maybe somebody else will. But, you know, you just, you can't afford to care too much about what other people think, except the people, you know, with whom you're creating. And is that something intuitive that you can feel? Like, because somebody can say, well, I've got Tom Douglas in the room. I can't really say I don't like this. And so, yeah, this is great. Thanks so much. Yes. Yeah. That, that, you know, honestly, you have a little bit of success. And, you know, you know, again, there's so many hindrances to it. You know, your success can be, you know, one of your greatest hindrances. Because, mm. you know, I mean, people will say they like it and they really don't. You know, what you really want them to do is to love it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think you can you can pretty much tell that you you certainly don't want to bring your ego into a room. I've known I've gotten to know some very famous songwriters and the the ones like I got to know Waylon Jennings I, honestly pretty well towards the end of his life, and Harlan Howard who was kind of one of the deans of songwriting in Nashville, mm -hmm. and both those guys when you were in a room with them it was you were back two sixteen year olds just. You know, making stuff up. They did right. not bring their ego into the room, which was a great relief because you know it's just that there's just there's not enough room for the song if you know if you've got two clashing egos. But that, that honestly, that 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 rarely happens. Uh, uh, I think mainly because people, you know, they do respect and they do honor the the songwriting process. They know how hard it is. But one of the reasons I think that we wanted to start this podcast was to be able to speak to experience and to yeah. hear. That and so the fact that you can um, be in a room with Waylon um, and other accomplished songwriters over the years, and to to glean a little bit here and there to go, okay, that's how that's done, or yes. oh, you don't have to be so uh, precious with every little thing. Any other experiences that you mm. that come to mind of those little things that, that a light bulb came on for you? Well, uh, gosh, let's see. Uh, you know, I think uh, it's just, you know, you have to constantly keep moving. Uh, uh, you know, you, you want to keep moving the, the ball down the field. But at the same time, I think you do want to you want to stop occasionally and give your co-writer, you know, a moment of sanity without constantly talking or, you know, sometimes the silence or the spaces can, 
you know, can really propel a song, you have to find those moments. Some people get very nervous with silence. Uh, they get very nervous just, you know, if if they're not contributing something. Sure. So you got to find those moments of, you know, moving and discussion, you know, but also you got to find those moments where you got to just let it sit and marinate for a few minutes and then, you know, come back together. Uh, well, is is that, I mean... On 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 my end of things, I mean, how we we always talk about serving the process and serving yeah. the artists and serving their vision. So much of it is listening rather than speaking, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that that's that's just key. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, and I I really yeah, I need to do. I, I'm glad you said that. I really I need to do a better job of that. It's uh, I'm. Yeah, I think that that's that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think at the end of the day, it's it is it is the artist who's going to go out and do the radio tours, and they're going to sing the songs from stage every night, and they're going to be the ones championing. Yes, the song at the end of the day. So right. I think it's a, it, we can do ourselves a a disservice by, <laughs> you know, talking too much or or whatever. But yes, right, and yeah, you you want to incorporate as much of your, you know. I'm, you write with a lot of artists. I, I do some. I don't write that much. Uh, sure. You know, and sometimes that can be tricky because sometimes, you know, as a songwriter, you want to serve the song, but at the same time, if it is with an artist, you you realize, you know, they kind of have to serve their career. So right. sometimes that's not the best thing for the song. Sure. But and some, and do you make that conscious choice of you know you said you don't do it as much with artists? Are, are you writing more with other? Um, collaborating uh, co-writers these days, and and more in the process of pitching songs, or well, uh, it's probably half and half. I okay. mean, uh, it certainly does, you know, enhance the ability to get a song recorded if you're writing with the artist. But you know, sometimes it doesn't. At the end of the day, artists have to have great songs, and uh, most of the successful artists I know are smart enough to know they really don't care where the song comes from. Hmm. They don't care if they've written it or not. In country music, the Kenny Chesneys, the Tim McGraws, the Keith Urbans, the they really don't care. You know, it's just you know they they, they want to you know they just want a great something that they can wrap their uh, their artistry around. Do you think that's unique to country music because? I think it's a lot less common in, in definitely in the Christian music industry and in maybe even in pop. Yeah, um, it seems like the writers are pretty much always on the songs. Well, yeah, uh, yes. Hmm. I, I, I re- you know, I don't really have that much experience beyond country. Sure. But I, I mean, just looking at the charts, I think you're, I think you're correct. Some of that could honestly just be political. You know. They, sure. The artist may or may not have that much uh, to do with the creation of the song, but you know, for political expediency, you know, sometimes you know people's names get on songs where they're not always, yeah. always warranted. But uh, so you're saying there's politics in the music industry? I, that I have I have heard <laughs> there's politics in the music business. I've not really experienced that firsthand, okay. but I've heard about that. Interesting music, music <laughs> politics. <laughs> That'll be your next podcast. Yeah, exactly. The politics of music. Man, I feel like we could talk for days, um, but I'm sure you have other things to do. 
Well, I've enjoyed being with you immensely. This has been incredible. I, I felt like I've I've been taken to school as well, and I, <laughs> of life and songwriting. I hope not the woodshed, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I really do hear um, so much of what you're saying as far as uh, to be able to empty that well. I think you, mm-hmm. you mentioned it uh, to empty the tank. Uh, it, so much of that is to be able to fill it back up with some quality stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's incredible. That's, that's sound wisdom for whatever art it is, whether you're a comedian or a filmmaker or you're a visual artist or a songwriter, that if you're not filling that back up that then, and you're hitting that writer's block, so to speak, then no wonder. Yes. Well, you know, and I mean, you know, song for songwriters, you know, songwriting, I mean, it's, it is, you know, it's our prayer. You know, really, it's it's our way that we almost get back to God. It's where the, the way mm. that God speaks to us. And, uh, you know, I mean, the first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God created. So it's, you know, it's such a, you know, it's a communal uh, experience that, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it is. I mean, it's, 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 it's full circle. You know, it should be. I mean, you have to empty out and then you have to come back. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's 360. It's kind of the name of your podcast here, yeah, yeah. but it's, uh, yeah. it has to keep keep replenishing itself yeah we'll, we'll pay you for that yeah, okay exactly. yeah that that, that, that uh, commercial endorsement um from from 1993 with the colin ray singles to 2015 as we're wrapping up um i'm sure the music industry has changed a lot in that 22 years um and it's only changing faster by the second um uh, something to kind of leave the listeners with because i always i always want to get your take on you know, it seems like guys who've been in it for a long maybe aren't as rattled and maybe as doom and gloom about the music industry um, as some people who have just gotten into it. I mean, what what's your outlook on where we're at today and where we're heading? Well, you know, the 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 economic landscape of music, I think it it does, particularly for guys your age. And I have a daughter who's twenty five that's writing, so it can look dire with. Uh, you know, with the, you know, music is all about distribution, and really, it always has been. And the distribution now is in the, you know, is in streaming, uh, and uh, so I just have to believe. I mean, I, I am I am involved in some lobbying uh, uh, campaigns, the Nashville Songwriters Association, you know, the NMPA, the National Music Publishers Association. For songwriters and publishers, there are those are two groups, uh, along with your PROs, that you really need to support and make your voice known. Uh, this is a time to not go gently uh, into the good night. This is a time really to, to try to disrupt and make our, our voices known to the Department of Justice and to your senators and your Congress uh, people uh, about what we, we really, we've got to get you know, some government relief. In a sense, we got to get the government out of our business. We're operating under, you know, consent decrees and copyright laws that were made, you know, from the World War II era. And three-fourths of our income is government regulated. It's, it's, it is, it, it's so maddening and so frustrating. The good news is, though, it, you know, it, it at least is, it, it's being discussed. But, you know, everybody needs to, to be acquainted with the facts and you need to make, you know, those that are in power, like the, uh, they're 
if, if you were to contact, you know, your BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC, you know, they would absolutely want you to write a letter and they could kind of give you the template uh, to do that. So, you know, songwriters really need to get organized and get together as a community, get educated and, and advocate, uh, you know, for the copyright. So, and, and, and you kind of answered it a bit, but if I'm a, if I'm a songwriter or a creative out there, really even outside of, you know, just the writing part, because the, the producers out there as well are, are affected. How do we get involved in maybe what you're doing as far as lobbying and, what what groups do we need to join? What events do we need to be at? How do we how do we join that? Well, uh, the 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 one group that I tell everybody that they really should join is the NSAI, the Nashville Songwriters Association International. Even it, if you're not in Nashville, join. It, it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is a worldwide organization, and they are the lobbyist, the voice the advocates for songwriters. They're up in Washington, D.C., two to three times a month. And it's a, it's a nominal fee to, to join, uh, but it's just it's money well spent. They have a, you know, an amazing online presence. Uh, you can come to Nashville a couple of times a year. Uh, and the, the whole community in Nashville, the songwriting community, em, embraces them. I occasionally will go to New York or California and work with uh, local groups there. But, uh, yeah, th that's the one thing that we ought to do because uh, it's, again, your future is, uh, you know, really hangs in the balance. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, you know, to quote from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, the, the discussion is the little girl uh, asked, you know, uh, the, the Atticus Finch, you know, is the is the father figure in To Kill a Mockingbird, and he says, you know, it's a sin, sin to kill a mockingbird because a, a mockingbird only wants to do one thing: it's just sing. And so, I mean, it really the, it's an apt metaphor for the struggle facing songwriters, which is, you know, it's a sin to kill the songbird. Because the songbird only wants to do one thing. We just want to make music. But, uh, you know, if we don't get some of these uh, laws changed, the songbird is not going to be able to make a living. And the world sure. will, will, you know, grow uh, strangely quiet. Yeah. Well, I always think of music as, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of, of human needs. I, I would tend to put music as a basic human need. Yes, mm -hmm. I think absolutely. it's going to be as essential and is as essential as air, food, shelter, Amen. safety. And um, I was encouraged recently, a couple of weeks ago, our, our governor uh, Haslam and his his wife hosted a songwriter's dinner at their house that, that we were both at. And just to see even the priority to set aside an evening yes. to honor songwriters and to hear from songwriters, at least in the state of Tennessee, was encouraging. For, Very encouraging. For, for where we're headed. So... I'm really, really thankful for guys like you um, spearheading that cause, and I'm going to do everything that I can do, and I'm sure you know we'll, we'll use our podcast as a platform to try to rally that cause yes. as well, too. So absolutely. But yeah, thank you so much for enjoyed it. the time today. I enjoyed it. Thank this you for pleasure. having me. Yeah, this was enlightening as well as entertaining. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yes, indeed. Hey, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and will join us again soon on the Full Circle Music Show. The why of the music is. Check us out at fullcirclemusic.org slash podcast.